0: Hi, and welcome to the Religion and Story podcast with your hosts, Stephen, Daniel, and Michael Crouch.
1: Continuing our discussion on Christians and politics, we're going to be talking today about government subsidies. And basically, just trying to answer the question of what does the Bible say about the church and welfare programs or anything that would involve communal support or government support. Which is better? Which is worse? How do they... uh, how are they involved with what Scripture has to say about the actions that the church should be doing? So I, I guess, uh, Daniel, why don't you start us off
2: with uh, what
1: what do you think the Scripture, how does it speak to this topic?
2: So I think uh, right off the bat there are a, a few big ways that most people are familiar with the Bible, addressing this sort of topic, um, caring for the poor. Um, so let's uh, list a few of those. Um, so first of all, in the book of Leviticus and, um, in multiple places throughout the Pentateuch, uh, the, the Israelites are told, um, that they need to specifically look out for the poor among them. And, uh, a famous way that this is done is by the, uh, year of Jubilee where all debts are forgiven periodically, um, Every 50 years, though we have reasonably that that was never actually practiced, um, or was very rarely practiced among the Israelites, though so that was apparently the hope for them. Um, I've
0: heard that it was practiced twice, so even if it wasn't practiced that often,
2: <laughs> pretty in often. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, it, So, yeah, the Pentateuch deals with a lot of that in the law, with how the Israelites are set up, how they're supposed to care for the poor. There's sanctuary cities, and there's the year of Jubilee, um, and a lot of different rules that are set up um, to help them. Uh, Later, in the prophets, there's not anything really practical, though we do see a very uh, strong uh, calling to care for the poor. That's one of the main themes that we see in a third of the Bible. It's uh, very prevalent. Uh, and then a lot of people are also going to think of the New Testament, uh, especially in the book of Acts, where we see the church and we see their communal living, where they all give in order to uh, help one another. Again, that uh, that doesn't necessarily correlate with government, though we do see uh, principles laid out there for how the church is dealing with the poor among them. Um, the closest thing to government, though, is our earliest example for the Israelites, um, though obviously there's, different, uh, there's a difference for them and for us today that we've talked about before. But those are some of the big things that we see in Scripture. And I imagine in our conversation, y'all will point out some other smaller things or more specific examples that I didn't mention. Um, Michael or Steven, are there any other biblical examples y'all think are worth mentioning?
1: Uh, just a few other Scriptures that I'll throw out. Uh, just to the contrary, the Bible does address... Um, the uh, the other side to the point that people need to be able if you're fully uh, capable of working then you need to be do, doing that and not just living off of people just for the sake of collecting free benefits so yeah uh, so we the, see that in main...
2: Paul's uh, pastoral letters is that kind of what you're thinking of of always being, yeah, being productive yeah that, that's the
1: first one that comes up Second uh, Thessalonians three eight where it says nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. Um, That speaks exactly to what uh, people would accuse others of mooching off of somebody. Um, I think it's pretty clear-cut night and day, uh, no pun intended, but um, that we are able to see that people that are freeloading, that is definitely against what Scripture says to do. Uh, And so I would also go to say, who are the people that are deserving of welfare? We can probably discuss that at another time, though. What what was the pun that you just made? (laughs) The pun, I said it's night and day, as in it's clear... That we need to... <laughs>
0: that is not a pun. And There's it no says pun. night and day
1: in the scripture. That is, no, it says night and day in the scripture, uh, okay. and I said it, it's clear like night and day. It's un, You cannot confuse it with something okay. else. All right.
0: um, I'll, I'll throw in just one more scripture, and I'm not sure if we already said this, but um, in James where it says that pure and undefiled religion is to uh, look after widows and orphans. <clears throat> Um, I think when we're talking about who who are the deserving poor, who are the people that deserve uh, charity, that deserve aid, and I, and for I think we should say this early on too that charity is not a four letter word. Uh, charity is not some is not a bad thing that is thrust upon someone. It's it is a part of life anyway. But um, th- there is an idea within scripture that there are those who deserve uh, to be at the front of the line when it comes to giving aid uh, to those who are in need, um, but part of this question is how do we treat people at the front of the line, those with special needs, widows, orphans, how do we treat people who are undeserving, they, they refuse to work, they uh, have no inclination to take care of their own family, how do we treat that person, whether or not they're a part of the church?
1: So the- I like how you brought up the idea of family. We definitely need to probably discuss where the family comes into uh, play and where the community should ch- take over. And by community, I'm referring to a church community.
2: Yeah, so before we get there, though, to go to what y'all were both touching on, on the who are to be the recipients of this charity, of this, um, this overwatching of... Uh, of looking out for the poor, um, I think that it needs to be noted that in the most the most frequent way that this is phrased throughout Scripture, especially in the prophets, is um, simply the poor um, or the weak, and the uh, and that's not meant that's typically not meant in a physical sense though that certainly would apply um, physical weakness often would bring about social weakness as well um and so it we we begin to step into uh murky waters when we try to decide who are the who are the qualifying poor and who are the qualifying weak of course yeah the bible does often talk about Um, widows and orphans, um, and the elderly as well. Uh, But uh, it's important to remember that that is not the most common way that it refers to them. So those ones are, yeah, so we have that, we understand those people need help, um, but then we have just a broader group that also need help. And it becomes especially difficult in modern application of this, because right. um, we're saying, okay, now you have to, now you get to discern who are the people who need help. And um, it becomes dangerous when you accident, if you, and here's a question that we may get into or we may not get into. Is it okay to help nine people who are undeserving or lazy or something um, and to help the one person who legitimately needs help? Uh, or do we, in order to not help the nine people who don't actually need it, we accidentally pass over the 10th person who needs the help?
1: Right. When government gets put into play uh, with this uh, with this issue, it's always a matter of what's most efficient. Now, does that line up with Scripture? Um, that, that's another question to be asked. Uh, I, I did like how you brought up the um, the idea of who, how are we going to define the poor because first of all riches are subjective um, to who, who's trying to define those. If we're defining them from a religious perspective or a Christian perspective I should say um, that is something that's a little bit confusing because the Bible on one page is telling you that uh, riches are not important. And, but then on, you turn the next page, and it's saying, well, if you do all these good things, you will be blessed with these things that are what you just told me were not very important. Does that make sense, guys? Wait, wait,
0: wait. Are you preaching a health and wealth gospel, Stephen? Are you telling me that if I follow God, I'm going to be rich?
1: Well, we say hey, that I'm just there's telling a you contention, what it says in
2: the Bible. Or a tension, not a contention. Um, so I – First of all, I don't think that we see a whole lot of that, if any, in the New Testament. Um, of Though, it, undoubtedly, I would say we do see that in the Old Testament um, of promises in the of. And the Proverbs. Yeah, promises of uh, monetary riches, earthly riches. Um, now, so, I'm not so sure how well, this has to do with welfare, but Michael, what were you going to say?
0: Well, let me just – I agree that we – well, let me just quickly add this in. When God made promises to the Israelites early on, he made dual promises. He made wealth promises and he made spiritual blessing promises. But what we see towards the end of the Old Testament is that they always abused their physical blessings to the detriment of the poor of their society. um, And God severely punished them for that. In fact, took away their whole kingdom – because they were not worshiping him, and they were not uh, showing love to their neighbors. Um, So God obviously does care about whether or not we care for the poor. But uh, I think one of our big questions here is, does God care how governments take care of the poor, or does he care about how individuals, and I I would extend that one step further, uh, individuals who come together as churches, how they care for the poor, uh, to me, there is a
2: difference. So I, I think that's a, uh, that's a good point, Michael. And it sort of leads us to perhaps uh, another phase of the discussion. Um, if y'all are willing to move beyond what does the Bible say about it? Cause I, I think we're, we're pretty familiar with what the Bible says about this and maybe there's more to be said there, but I, I think the question then becomes, how does this practically play out? And, um, how do we take the rules given to the Israelites and the rules given to the church uh, or the precedents set by them? And how do we apply that to the church today and our relationship to government? Um, do we want to venture into that or uh, where do we go from here?
0: Sure. Uh,
2: I'm, I'm happy to give a couple of quick thoughts.
0: and Maybe y'all we can uh, go back and forth on, on this. Um In the Old Testament, I think we have the best example of God commanding um, a group of people, perhaps even we can go as far as saying government, uh, to directly take care of the poor. However, because the Old Testament system had a government and a religious order that was so intertwined, I think it is uh, nearly impossible to duplicate that today. So if we only go off of a New Testament example, um, where it is uh, Christians who were not the people in government power, what we see there is God is directly commanding the church to take care of the poor. And actually, we know that that's one of the reasons the church grew so quickly in the first few centuries is because the poor were flocking to them, Um, and and they saw it as a place of refuge. So perhaps today we're somewhere in the middle. If if we can make any application at all, um, we have governments that see moral truths, but they're not Christian.
2: Um,
0: you know, so there there's a tension there. Um, I personally oh, think I would just
2: wanted to add that um, another way that we are in the middle is because now we have more ability to influence government and to set policy. But go True. ahead.
0: Right, right. Um, so, if, if we believe that the New Testament church, in its way that, that it is implemented today, has any bearing, I would say that we as Christians uh, should want to first take care of the poor ourselves as a church unit um, or as individuals. Um, but to the extent that we are unwilling to do that, or unable, and um, I would say that the church is able, but to the extent that we are unwilling or unable, that um, we allow for the government to um, perhaps create a bottom safety net or to fill in the gaps. I'm not sure how we want to think about that, but um, there is a place for safety nets, but I wish it didn't have to be there because the church was doing its job.
1: So when we get to talking about what would be the optimal setup for a, uh, a Christian version of what government is doing or if government even needs to be involved in charity, uh, I think a lot of us would agree that the church has dropped the ball here because it hasn't been done and voters and uh, the, the public has reached out for the government to get the help that they think they deserve or they think that they need. And I'm not here to talk about if they do need it or not, but that that is where the charity is now coming from, uh, for, from a majority standpoint, as far as health care concerns. You don't see the church really uh, treating directly uh, health needs like you see major government programs. Um, and so, One of the issues that I think is recognizable is that the church wants to approach it from what I think is a a good approach, but they're missing the point in a lot of ways, and that approach is, I want to get involved with somebody. Uh, Let me just put it in this example. You're driving down the street and you come up to a stoplight, you see a homeless guy uh, on the side. what goes through everybody's mind? Should I give him $5 and the cliché is, Oh no, $5. the person's just going to use it for... Uh, five, I'm sorry, am, am I cheap here? No, you're fine. Go ahead. It's supposed to be 20 10 10 Okay, we'll go with 10 So do I give him the $10? Because uh, what do we say that he's going to do with it? He, she, whoever it might be. He's going to go spend they're it on drugs to, and alcohol. Exactly. That's what you think. And so you reserve that charitable action because you you make a judgment and maybe the judgment is right but you what you're thinking what would be best is that we need to correct the action from the source so we're going to cater to them in a spiritual aspect and that's going to be the real charity right there we need to whip this person into shape that's the attitude that we go at it and how much does that actually help them though? Yeah. spiritually yes Financially, the the poor and the needy are still going to be poor and needy. What are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, so two things. Um, one, quick story. I This is just uh, talking about the culture around the issue you just discussed, Stephen. I remember specifically one time I gave... Uh, a guy came up to me, I think he's was outside of Southside, and he asked uh, for some money, and I gave him a couple bucks or something. And then later... I think this may have been while I was interning there. So I was up there at um, strange hours. Uh, But later I saw the same guy walking by um, with a bag of Whataburger, which is just down the street from Southside. And I was telling this story to um, an elder later, and uh, I think there was something funny about it, and that's why I brought it up. Um, But they had made a comment that, uh, as I was telling the story, uh, oh, there was probably um, some alcohol, some booze in the Whataburger bag. And I just remember being so flabbergasted and, I don't know, upset that that is, that, that it was so far removed, like you had to really work to come to that conclusion. Um, and it, I, I think that that's indicative of a lot of us. I I, I probably have done something similar at some point. Um, and so... This is a serious issue. Uh, Another thing that you, to comment on what you said, Stephen, yeah, that's a scripture that we forgot to mention that is really important for this conversation, and that is uh, Jesus' off-the-cuff remark about the poor you will always have with you. Uh, What does that mean? Um, What does that mean for us in our role in government and welfare? Uh, If that's a statement that we should take very literally, then uh, it has very strong, heavy implications. I'm not sure where to take. So
1: this is kind of talking about trickle-down ec- economics, and Michael, I should probably let you be speaking to this effect, but the prosperous people in the world that are the ones that are called to do this service to the poor, um, I, I feel that they need to be more aware of the cultural differences. If you are being charitable to somebody and they do not use your funds in the most immaculate way possible and how you would have it be used, that is not something to use as a reservation to do it. Um, and Daniel, I don't want to just trump your story. There's a, a guy that I was trying to help out at my own church. I am going to trump your story. I apologize. <laughs> Fine. Uh, Go ahead. But uh, there, there's a guy at uh, my church that he needed help, he, and he needed some money. He needed it more than I did, and um basically he was looking for work i said you come over and uh do some work at my house i'll work with you we'll get this done i'll I'll pay you handsomely and i knew he needed the money so i gave it to him up front never saw the guy again quit going to church just because he wanted the money more than he wanted the spiritual connection now that just blew my mind. I tried reaching out to the guy, not worried about the money at all. I wanted to just get the relationship back so that if it's that bad where somebody is going to skip church because or not just skip church but just abandon the church and leave it because the money's more important to him. Again, I can't use that as an excuse to not be charitable to the next person just cuz I got burned in the past.
2: Wow. That is admirable, Stephen. Um, that's quite the story. I will probably retell that many times, people. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, Michael. Uh, Stephen asked you. Yeah, can you address some of that? Maybe some of the economics of this. And you had two books that I think you wanted to at least give a shout out to. So, oh.
0: yeah. uh, sure. So, I guess a couple of things about the economics of charity. Um, I mean, this first one somewhat humorously, but somewhat not. Uh, One of my favorite uh, libertarian economists, actually, when he talks about, you know, when he gives $10 to the guy on the street, he actually kind of hopes that the guy will go out and buy drugs or alcohol. Why? Because uh, that guy knows better what he wants than I know what he wants. Um, And if if that's the thing that will make the guy most happy, then that's what he should do.
1: Um,
0: I like the idea. I've heard this from a couple of people By the way, let me go ahead and say, I don't endorse that, that
2: mentality, but thank you. um, Yes. All of our (laughs) listeners need to know that is ridiculous. Go ahead, Mike.
0: No, but, but one thing that I I think is good is, um, in order to have a real relationship with a person, I think it requires you not just giving your money, but giving your time. So, um, I've, uh, one, one person I remember telling a story about how he, he saw the guy several times. And the first time he gave him money, but the second time he said, "I'll give you money again if you'll eat a meal with me. If you'll come over to this restaurant that's right here and let's talk, uh, because one of our goals should be long-term improvement." Um, and uh, so th- th- that's kind of one of the ways that we we can deal with these things on an individual basis. Okay, all of that. Let's let's put that aside. And to get to the question of charity on an economics level, um, one of the best things that you can do for someone, excuse me, one of the best things that you can do for someone who is impoverished is free them to work and allow them to Mm -hmm. take their resources to the best place that they possibly can. Uh, To anyone who's listening to this podcast and hasn't listened to past podcasts, I recommend that you go listen to the podcast we did about uh, immigration um, and how one of the easiest ways for someone to get out of poverty is to be able to go to the place where their labor has the highest value. Um, During the 20th century, more people were lifted out of poverty by uh, free markets uh, than any other mechanism, any other um, intervention that someone might want to do. More people were killed uh, by communism than were killed by uh, any war that occurred. Um, so there there is some relationship between poverty and economics more generally. Um, however, I, I think probably we're focusing more on uh, our developed country and the way that it um, goes about d- distributing aid. Um, So uh, I'll go ahead and plug one of the books that I wanted to mention. Uh, It's a book by uh, Marvin Olasky, O-L-A-S-K-Y. It's called uh, The Tragedy of American Compassion. It's kind of a history book about uh, charity within American history, mainly dealing with the 1800s and early 1900s when the church was doing a good job of taking care of the poor. Um, And how as that fell off, uh, as um, Catholic schools uh, stopped being one of the main resources for uh, providing education to the poor, uh, as local churches uh, did a – were not able to provide relief in the same ways, um, that's when the government started stepping in.
1: Um, It's a great history lesson. It was about the time that Florence Nightingale died, if I'm not mistaken. awkward silence okay sure
0: well we're not sure if you need si- to
1: give you all a history lesson uh please do florence nightingale was a, um, a nurse what's the word i'm looking for she, <laughs> she was a nurse that worked through a church and so okay. that was the example that you were using when catholic schools that were working in that way uh started to fizzle out uh i Whatever, you know. No, well, okay, so, so Stephen, you're that. making a killing good point me. here
0: that uh, when you look at the old institutions that are trying to serve the poor, many of them have Christian backgrounds, whether it be your um, name, your, your religion, hospital, you know, St. Thomas Hospital. A Baptist health center.
1: Jehovah's Witness.
0: Well, not that. Okay, not that one. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, A Methodist health center. Um, A lot of private schools in urban areas had their start in serving the poor. There came some disconnect, though, when the church decided that it was more about serving our own members. And we could talk a little bit about this. Let me go and put it in one thing uh, real quick here as well. Um, while we're saying that the church is doing a bad job, we do need to acknowledge that there are a lot of church organizations that even today do a wonderful job of serving the poor. Um, however, uh, we can only go so far within our communities and to the extent that we're not replicating those wonderful programs in city after city after city, that's when the church, uh, fails to live up to its duty so we're talking on on a global scale here
1: all right those are really good points michael Uh, that's why we have you on the the podcast because of your economic expertise (laughs) has nothing to do Uh, with your blood relation (laughs) oh yeah that's (laughs) it i hope you'll have me Uh, back next week let's uh let's try and wrap it up with this question what would then be the optimal system to use to make government and and or just the community support uh, the needy in the best way possible? What is your best system to use? All
2: right. Well, I'll go first with the starting with the one with the least amount of economic um, knowledge um, out of the three of us. Um, but I'll I'll say that um, it. It seems that we agree that the church is supposed to be the one who takes care of the poor, the impoverished, uh, the disenfranchised. But as, um, and while sometimes the church has done that and things have gone very well, has um, uh, at least recently been the case that the church has not done a very good job of taking care of the weak and the poor. And so it it seems that some, we can't, we don't want to let these people die. Um, We don't want to leave them uh, completely impoverished. And so it seems the only way to me to take care of that issue is to provide some, to vote, to force people to... Provide some sort of safety net. Um, if the if people are not going to willingly do it through the church and through their own means, then we will have a mandatory contribution called taxes, and we will use that money, as inefficient as it may be, um, it is necessary to take care of poor. Uh, obviously we want it to be as efficient as possible. We don't even want it to be used at all because we want the church to be doing it. But to me, that's as far as I can see that that's what, uh, that's what needs to be done. That's what has to be done. But let's hear from someone who actually knows more about what they're talking about.
0: Daniel, let me ask you a quick question real fast. Um, this is an honest question. Um, how much do you think the church would have to give, um, If we said it is our mission – and I'm talking about Christendom broadly – how much would we have to give if we said we're going to take care of the poor?
2: Um, So I I would imagine – again, this is not uh, – my knowledge of the numbers is not great, but uh, I would say if everyone who claims to be Christian – so sure. they have to start coming to church to begin with, <laughs>
1: um,
2: and they, if they gave, they gave their 10 percent, their tithe, um, then we could – you could probably lift the impoverished up into a state of um, support and a relative comfort. Uh, tithe seems like a good percentage um, without having all the figures in front of me
0: also one other quick question just because i'm I'm curious do you think that caring for the poor locally is more or less important than sending foreign missionaries who are most c- concerned with spiritual matters
2: fi so I have to say which one is more important uh missionaries or caring for the poor locally um well, as far as weight of scripture goes, it would be caring for the poor. Um, much more time is reserved in the Bible to discuss that. Uh, though my my heart of hearts tells me um, the gospel would probably take precedence. Um, but I'm kind of I'm kind of in a bind on that one. I I let, lean let me... more towards. The, the poor local, but um, I, my mind tells me I'm wrong.
0: Let, let me release you from the question. Um, I would contend that we in the church do not have a resource problem. We don't have to choose one or the other. We have a will problem. We're not willing to do what it takes uh, to transform our communities or for that matter to transform the world. Um, anyway, that's time for another podcast. Um, all right. So to answer Stephen's question for me, um I want to introduce my other book and then give a shout out to another article that – it's not my book. I didn't write it. It's just one that I want to show to other people. Um, this one actually only has to do with education philanthropy. Uh, it's called With the Best of Intentions, and it talks about how – uh, philanthropy wants to reshape a lot of our social programs, but often does a poor job of doing it. Now, one interesting article in this, in this book, it's by an old uh, colleague at the University of Arkansas, Jake Green, who uh, talks about buckets into the sea. Um, and what he's basically saying is that when philanthropies try to change social systems, It's as if they thought they were reshaping the world by getting a bucket of water out of the sea and saying, hey, look what I did. Um, The the obvious thing here is that the bucket's really small. The sea's really big. Um, Mm, When we compare our our philanthropic efforts to what the government can do with its vast wealth uh, because they have the power of taxation, it is minute compared to what the government can do. Um, so if we're wanting to think practical, we need to leverage our, our church dollars not to take care of our local poor, but to transform the way that the sea moves. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's that old uh, story about not being a small stone in the river. You have to be a boulder that blocks the river and causes it to go another way.
2: Anyway, um, so Michael, so that, for the simple-minded is that is that is that saying basically make the government more efficient. That's one I'm part of it. Minded. Just
0: uh, <laughs> uh, that's one part of it. I think there's also the, just the Martin Luther King approach that we are going to be advocates for uh, for God's way, and to say that we will not stand for these. Uh, programs that overlook the the truly poor, and we won't stand for programs that reward people for not working,
1: um, if that's what we
0: believe to be true. All right, so the other article I wanted to plug, um, it is by Rod Dreher, and he's more famous for recently writing a book called The Benedict Option, which um, is worth thinking about, but probably not. I, I don't recommend what the book says, Anyway, that's, that's another thing. Um, uh, but he recently wrote an article about, um, where is charity working the best? And, um, he said it's in, uh, or he, he pointed to an article that talked about how Utah is doing the best job of, of, uh, shaping local charity. And when you ask the question, well, why is Utah doing such a great job? And this brings us to the title of his article, because that's where the Mormons are. Um, on this podcast, we have not been kind to Mormons in the past and their belief systems. Uh, but I think one thing that we can say that's positive about Mormons is that they take their um, their local issues seriously. When it comes to treating uh, their people that live in their community as neighbors, that's not a joke to them. That's uh, they take the Bible seriously there. If we truly believed that our um, Our churches could promote programs, and I I recommend the article to anyone that wants to read it, Uh, but if we truly believed that our churches could promote programs that wouldn't just serve a meal or uh, provide free health care at our our walk-in clinic, but could transform lives, as we've seen done on small scales in some of the churches we've been a part of. But if we saw that really changing a city, then, yeah, the, the government would still provide a little bit of a social safety net, but it wouldn't. there wouldn't be the need for this on the larger scale if the church was serious about saying, this is our community, we're not uh, uh, passing the buck to anyone else. So um, that's my idea of how it should work. Uh, Christians should operate within the current system to take ownership of of their neighborhood and say, we will solve these problems or we'll die trying.
1: There's both some good points from both of you. Uh, I agree with some of what y'all have said and I also disagree with what some of y'all have said, uh, both of you. Uh, well, that's why we're here. Please disagree me, with us. I, I think that... I think um, the weak and the poor, that, that really, I think, is a, an easy thing for the church to cover. If people are needy or handicapped and things like that, the church has more than enough capability to tend to those. And the reason I think the poor, uh, the poor and needy is such an easy thing to cover is because poor is subjective – if you can just make sure somebody is getting their basic needs, then it's done. You don't need to raise them to whatever lifestyle that uh, the surrounding area is living at that time. Just make sure that they're getting their basic needs. Food, shelter, um, and love really is what it comes down to. Now, healthcare that's a whole different thing. One, we haven't talked enough about the... The requirements are what the Bible calls families to do, your immediate family. Uh, The family, uh, at least in the United States, it's been transformed recently over the last year, decade, and 100 years if you want to go that. Just – it's completely different, especially from what it was when the scriptures were written. But that does not mean that the responsibility has left. So – also, regarding healthcare, the church can't do it issue. And I should speak and say that I do have uh, work experience in the financial industry for uh, health care insurance companies. And I know how absurd medical costs are. For example, let's say uh, a newborn needs a heart surgery and then has to be kept on service for a year or something like that. Those bills can... multi-million dollar insurance cost Uh, and you don't even want to talk about what the family has to pay Um, so anyway knowing that the church could not cover every single time somebody needs that one because I mean you would have to build a whole network of health care through the church not saying it can't be done it's just not at this point Uh, but we're talking if if everything this is all hypothetical if that's what it took then that's what the church would need to do to get it so that probably kind of backs up what michael was saying about um, you know knowing what it t- it's going to take and, and using your resources as, as the church to get to that point that's going to be most efficient um, so yeah it, it really takes national support and so with the government using their the taxing power That's really the best way that the public has seen to get these things done. You also mentioned the Mormons, and I think with the nation becoming more and more divided, you're going to see a lot of relocation to certain states that best support people's belief systems. Um, Sad that it's uh, having to go that direction, but that's really where I see it going. Um, Any other comments that y'all want to have before we wrap things up? Y'all want to shoot down everything I just said, that's fine too.
2: <laughs> no, I, I one one thing I just wanted to say is I really like that both of y'all brought up um the uh, Church of Latter day Saints that um the the force tithing and that's a bad way to put it, just the the fact that they tithe, they actually do the tithing that they um they claim to do is is huge in what they're able to accomplish because They are generous, um, whether that's if they're made to be generous, but they are generous, and that gives them the resources to act as the church ought to act. Um, So that uh, that is noteworthy.
1: Daniel, you've mentioned in your blogs that uh, certain specific religious groups have things that we can admire about disciplines that they have. For example, uh, Muslims and their praying habits, something that Christians might aspire to live up to it in that specific aspect of uh, prayer life. I think Mormons with their charitable giving, that is also something that uh, Christians should be able to shoot for. Yeah, agree.
0: That's it for today. We'll have a brand new episode for you next week check out our blog at religionandstory.wordpress.com and leave us your feedback. See you next time.